are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Genesis, chapter 1. And tonight, and probably on next Wednesday evening, we'll share with you two messages on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, like all other Bible doctrines, is such a tremendous doctrine, with so much being said of every doctrine in the Bible, that, of course, it's impossible to... uh, exhaust this great subject but hopefully in all of these doctrinal messages we can establish your thinking we can give you direction in study and uh, with those things then you can at least begin to uh, put things in the proper order and uh, give rightful place to these precious truths found in the Word of God. The same with the Holy Spirit. The first mention of the Holy Spirit is found in the first sentence of the first book of the Bible. It is found in the first verse. In the beginning... God. The word God is the first mention of the Holy Spirit. Here is the first mention of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the first mention of the Trinity. And of course, as we'll find in this series of studies, and I'll give some explanation there. I know you're saying, good night. My Bible doesn't read like this. And I'll give you some explanation there in just a minute. But uh, uh, the failure in the looking at the doctrine and studying of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is to give the blessed Holy Spirit a place of less importance in the Godhead as the Father and the Son or the Father or the Son. The Godhead is co-equal. The Godhead, which is the Trinity itself in another doctrine, is a doctrine so deep that a finite mind really cannot fully fathom this great doctrine that these three are one. God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they are one. You just keep that in mind, that if the Bible says that these three are one, then these three are one. And we accept it because the Bible says it. We touch the hem of the garment of understanding by seeing that the Godhead or the one God manifests 
in the three personalities of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We couldn't, any of us, go much beyond that. But these three are one. And the word God in Genesis chapter 1, in the first sentence here, is the first mention of the Godhead. Because the word God here includes all three. Because it is a it is a noun, it is a noun in the Hebrew Elohim. And Elohim in the Hebrew is a noun denoting three or more. Three or more. And so the three mentioned here is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When it says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now if we had time to just launch out from there, we would go over to John chapter 1 and verse 1 and hear the words of the Holy Spirit saying that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was with God, and the Word was God. And there was not anything made that, but what He made it. He created all things, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know then that God, Elohim, three or more, denotes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The scriptures in the rest of John, uh, Genesis chapter 1 will bear that out. For it says here, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so the Spirit of God, in fact, the very first work of the Holy Spirit, we see here as is moving upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, uh, so forth. and God made the firmament. Jesus made. All things were made by him, and was not anything made that was made. When you get over into Genesis, you'll find the Lord Jesus mentioned when it says, and they said, let us make man. The plurality, let us make man in our own image. Then when we read the Bible, we find that man was made in the image of God or made in the image of the Trinity. And if he is made in the image of God, if he is made in the image of the Trinity, then he is made a triune being. So man is a triune being. He is father, he is body, soul, and spirit. So the Trinity, even the, the Trinity is manifested in our life. We are a Trinity even as God is a Trinity, a triune being. Now, but thinking of the Holy Spirit as you and I are thinking about the Holy Spirit, which is uh, a great doctrine of the Bible that is misused and so misunderstood. We look just, if you would please, in uh, 
John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we'll read some verses there and come back to those verses uh, tonight in just a little bit. Because there's something very special in John 14 and also in John 16 that uh, needs to be mentioned here. Verse 19, uh, we'll read verse uh, 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. And Jesus is saying the reason that the, the natural man of the natural world wouldn't receive the, uh, the personality of the Holy Spirit is because they can't see. Our old adage is seeing is believing, but not always so. And uh, we talk about the Lord Jesus whom having not seen we love and know. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but, but ye see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day they shall know that I am the Father and ye are in me and I in you. That's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you, even the Spirit, which is the Spirit of truth. Now, in thinking about the Holy Spirit, there's so many passages of Scripture, so many so much to this great doctrine, which is so uh, misused and so unused. I think it is misused by the charismatics. I believe it is unused by fundamentalists. They, the, the fundamentalists say we don't go wrong on the Holy Spirit is because they never get that close. They never, they never make any attempt to be like the Bible says they should be in Ephesians. That is to be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, while many groups try to get too full of something, the, the generally the fundamentalists and the Baptists want to stay empty. But there is a medium in between whereby we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit but not run off the deep end of things. And you always get as much as you need and no more than you need if you go by the Bible roadmap. You stay with the Word of God. And so looking at this great doctrine, we approach it without fear because we'll never go wrong, never be embarrassed, Never be empty as long as we go by the Bible guidelines. All right, notice two things in this great doctrine that I'll probably share with you, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. We could approach it in many, many other ways, but these are the two simplest forms that I've felt that we could, that we could approach it. And that is the person of the Holy Spirit. 
and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. All right, number one, the person of the Holy Spirit, and we'll look at these tonight as far as we can, and then uh, come back on next Wednesday night. The person of the Holy Spirit, first of all, the tendency to cause you to reject the Holy Spirit. There are tendencies that would cause a man to reject the Holy Spirit as the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit, which is a person. And there are tendencies to reject the Holy Spirit as a person and to accept him as Jehovah's Witness and many of the religions do as an influence to power or uh, that which is mystical and that which is not personal. Because number one of the names that are associated or are given to the Holy Spirit, people have a tendency to reject him and re accept that instead of a person simply because of the names or the emblems or the symbols that is used in relation to the Holy Spirit. And there are many emblems given in the Bible, and I'll share those with you at some time. And each of these emblems depict a, a work and a ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is pictured as, as fire, and, and the Holy Spirit, we see the emblem of wind, and uh, we see uh, the Holy Spirit and the emblem of oil. And all of these depict a particular ministry that the Holy Spirit has in the life of the believer. Emblems are simply figures of representation or figures that represent and give representation of the true thing. Uh, if you would please look at fire just quickly, and that's all we'll have time to do. Acts chapter 2, the Lord willing, we're going to preach a series of messages on Sunday night on the emblems of the Holy Spirit and, and the part that they play in the life of the believer. But simply because the Holy Spirit is likened unto fire, uh, the name given of fire, then we are not apt to want to associate it as a person simply because it's fire. But when the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and verse 3 is uh, we see the in black form, uh, the form here of, of the Holy Spirit is fire, it is giving us the uh, that part of a ministry of the Holy Spirit, that which he will do to us as fire does, burns and stirs up, you see. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. Now think about that. Fire don't sit on anybody. But the Bible says that they were to be wait in Jerusalem until they were uh, uh, baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And when the Holy Spirit come, it sat on them like fire would sit on you. It came upon them like fire would come on them. Now, what would you do if somebody gave you a hot foot? Uh-huh. You'd get to moving, wouldn't you? You'd get to hollering, wouldn't you? What would you do if somebody set your britches on fire? Uh-huh. 
you'd move out, wouldn't you? We were, I worked on the railroad for 12 years, and, and one of the railroad men, like all other men, have certain things they, you know, always wanting to do and pranks and things they want to pull on you. And uh, back in those days, they didn't have, uh, in, in the days I worked, they didn't always have the sealed uh, box around the, uh, the axle of the train but they had open boxes, and some of them they still do, and they have what we call a waist. It was it looked like a great big glob of string, and uh, they'd pack that around the journal. They'd open the box up on the end of the, under the wheel of the axle, pull the box up, and that had a hook we'd pull it up in, and we'd, we'd, we'd pack that around there, and it would be soaked in oil. And uh, that oil stayed in that box and kept those bearing, that bearing, running over and over and supposed to keep the axle from burning up, you know, and keep it rolling. Well, we, before we'd take that waste, that stringy list and stuff, we men who worked in the railroad shop, we'd take that, that and, and use it to wipe our hands with. And it'd get all greasy and we'd stick a hunk of it in our back pocket. And uh, the thing to do was the other fella to come along when you wasn't looking and, and where you would bend over behind something like that, stick a match to your your pile of uh, uh, dope in your back pocket. And it didn't take that stuff long, had all in it, brother. It didn't take it long to get it going. And I guarantee you one night when fire set down on you, you moved out. And uh, when something sits on you like that, you move. You don't wait. You get around, you move around. And that's exactly what happened here. It's like the, like the dear colored fella met the other fella and, and uh, said to him, said, uh, he said, whoo, he said, I'm telling you something happened to me yesterday. He said, what was it? He said, man, he said, a big bumblebee done lit on me. He said, did it hurt? He said, no, it didn't hurt when he lit, but boy, when he sat down. <laughs> and that's about what happened when the Holy Spirit of fire sets down on you. I mean, you move out. And the many folks would look at fire, and so they couldn't associate that with a person. But God working in us and the Holy Spirit working in us, it works as a fire within us. I don't know about you. I go as a good old preaching and some good singing of the Lord and some good fellowship. It kind of gets me stirred up. You know, I, I think it does you too. We were in camp meeting there. I guess, I don't know. I guess you'd call it a camp meeting. I don't know what to call it. We, some of the men went to make it with me the other night. Supposed to be in a camp meeting and and uh, we saw a lot of strange things happen there that night. But at least we saw some folks get stirred up a little bit. And we had a time in the Lord, had a good time going together. But simply because of the, of the names that are associated with the Holy Spirit, people have the tendency to reject Him as a person or reject the Holy Spirit as a person. In John chapter 3, if you would please... John chapter 3 and uh, verse 5 through 8. And here we see the Holy Spirit likened, uh, likened unto wind or doing the work that is likened unto wind. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and have a spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it bloweth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so as the Holy Spirit then is likened unto the mysterious effect of wind. You can't see it, but it is doing a job. Uh, you can't see the wind, but you can see the results of wind. You can get out here on a day, and, and uh, when, those, when those old trees that would normally stand up like this, and when they're bent over like this, and whether they're waving, you don't see what's making them wave, but you know wind is doing it. And he says, so is the mystery of the work of the Holy Spirit. And simply because the Spirit of God is likened unto what wind does in a mysterious form, then men would reject the fact of the personality of the Holy Spirit. Then oil, if you would please, in 1 John, I believe it is, chapter 2 and verse 27. Let's turn there, would you? 1 John 2, verse 27. And oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. With the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide. Talking about the Holy Spirit. And, of course, this also is another ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when he has come, he will guide you and he will teach you and he will lead you, which is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. So you can see how uh, this uh, would be hard maybe for somebody to, to not be able to accept the Holy Spirit as a person. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've said and say again, this is the type of teaching and this is the type of ministry that we're doing now that every Baptist ought to get. You see. And if you'll take some of the things I'm giving you tonight and scriptures I'm giving you tonight and some of the things that we'll take on the study of the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you'll send some of those Jehovah's Witnesses that come to your door, you'll send them away. You send them away mumbling. I guarantee you, brother, they'll, they'll think twice before they come back and knock on your door again. You'll give them something to think about. Uh, most Baptists don't know enough doctrine to even tell what they believe. All we know is we don't believe what you believe. And, uh, and so we need to be able to have an answer here. All right. And 1 Corinthians in chapter uh, 1, verse uh, 21, it is. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God uh, by the foolishness of preaching to save them uh, which believe. And of course, we know that that is only done by the Holy Spirit, and you may take that uh, oil. 
And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3 now. Stay right here and turn with me. Remember he talked about the anointing which is in you. In you. Verse 16, chapter 3. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So it is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us after hearing the gospel and being preached to and being saved. All right, we could go on with that. And uh, let's look in uh, uh, Romans 8 and verse 16. Romans 8, verse 16, and also verse 26. For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if you would turn with me now back to the book of John, uh, chapter 16. John chapter 16. We haven't looked at that as yet. We're looking at John chapter 16. I want to establish this in verse, well, let's read all of these verses. We'll be coming back to them in the latter part of this study here, but beginning in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Now hold your place right there, and I'm going back over here to Romans a minute, and I try to tie a couple of things together uh, here for you. In verse 16, we read that the Spirit itself, itself. Now, if I'm correct in my, I'm rusty, but if I'm correct in my study, uh, that is a, that is a neuter. There are neuter nouns and pronouns. And uh, when it's talking about it, it's talking about could be talking about a person but not naming or, or it, uh, particularizing that particular person. Uh, the new translation, not the new translation, but the actual Greek here, uh, you could insert himself in it. Itself talking about the blessed, holy Spirit of God. That's in Romans 8 verse 16. In verse 26, let me read it. We didn't go over there and read that with you. But uh, you can turn if you want to to Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And you may 
connect that with 1 John 2 we read a while ago. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself literally could read himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The itself may seem like a bad translation. You would not, you would not call the Holy Spirit an it. But in the original Greek, the same Greek word that is used for it there is the same Greek word that is used for the, the masculine, the masculine pronoun in John chapter 16, 12 times in the verses that we read to you when it said, when he is come, he shall teach you, he shall guide you, the personal pronoun. So with just the very study of the Word of God, the very reading of the original language will tell you that certainly simply because names are associated to the Holy Spirit of God that it makes Him no less than a person. Too many look at the blessed Spirit of God as simply an influence. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to share this with you tonight before quitting and uh, give you some idea of what some of the religions of the world think about the Holy Spirit of God. Let's look first of all at Christian science. This is what Christian science says about the Holy Spirit. He says concerning the, the Holy Spirit that uh, in the words of St. John, he shall give you another comforter, that he abide with you forever. This comforter, I understand, and I quote now from Science and Health, page the 1916 edition, page 55. This comforter, I understand to be divine science. And so the science, Christian science church says the Holy Spirit is simply divine science. Our master said, but the comforter shall teach you all things. In other words, when the science of Christianity appears, it will lead you into all truth. That, that science, knowledge, will lead you unto The science of being shows it to be impossible for infinite spirit or soul to be in a finite body. But that's not what 1 Corinthians 3 I just got through reading to you. He said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And yet Christian science say that it is impossible for an infinite spirit or soul to be in a finite body. But that's exactly what we are tonight. That's exactly what we are. We are a finite body with an infinite God in the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, living in us. It's exactly what we are. Just exactly what we are. Spiritualism, and of course, there's the far off base. It, uh, it says here uh, in their uh, book on Hastings, uh, page 91, they deny the personal personality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit from God is the spirit of some holy person who has once been in the flesh. Now, you don't get that out of the Bible. 
What does Jehovah's Witness believe about the Holy Spirit? They say, and let God be true, I have that book in my study, that the Holy Spirit is an influence or power exercised by the one God. It denies all being and personality of, of the Holy Spirit. It denies all being and personality of the Holy Spirit. And yet I just got through reading to you here whether it is a neuter noun or pronoun referring to the Lord Jesus, to, to the Holy Spirit, or either the masculine, as found in John in John chapter 16, 12 times, he the Spirit, he will guide, he will speak, he will hear, he will show, he shall glorify, he shall take of mine, and uh, right down the line, which is the masculine speaks of a person, and so does the neuter in uh, John, uh, speaks of and Romans 8, 16 and 26, when it says itself, the same exactly Greek word. And so Jehovah's Witness can't be right when they say here of, uh, of the Holy Spirit that it denies all being and personality. All right, what about Mormonism? The Mormons. What do they say concerning the Holy Spirit? It is earthreal substance diffused through space. The purest, most refined of substances. That is way out in Boy, you'd have to be a lawyer and uh, four more years of uh, Greek and Hebrew and Italian to understand what they said there. It is earth real substance diffused through space to pursue the most refined of substances. Well, that don't even get in the same neighborhood with the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Mormonism says... There is only one mode by which the Holy Ghost is conferred on mankind. The laying on of the hands of men who have themselves received it. And they put a great big capital letter, it. And are called and are ordained to minister, great big capital letters, it. Quote, the Mormon priesthood. It is the Bible teaches that it is God who gives the Holy Spirit and administers the Holy Spirit. It is God who gives the Holy Spirit severally, Paul said in Corinthians, as he will. It is God who poured out the Holy Spirit on Jesus without measure, the Bible says. So if you traffic in Jehovah's Witness, if you traffic in Mormonism, if you traffic in unity, unity says all is spirit. The spirit reigns in all the world. We recognize no authority nor guide but the spirit of truth. Yeah, they, don't, they deny a personal, a personal Holy Spirit. The discerning spirit within us. We recognize our oneness with truth. 
The Holy Spirit is not the author of the Bible. Now, how can you say that? When the scripture simply says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Holy men of God wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the author of the Bible. If one substitutes the Bible for the spirit of truth as his teacher, he fails to receive the inspiration which would reveal to him the truths Jesus taught which are not in the Bible. I studied this book and I can't find that we're to believe anything but what's just taught in the book, you see. So the Bible is ours. Modern theology teaches the impulses to righteousness that come to man. That's the Holy Spirit. Influences emanating from the divine side of man's nature. Man doesn't have a divine side. If we were to teach the doctrine of man, we would begin by teaching the total depravity of man and use such scriptures as Jesus used, there is no good thing in us. There is no flame by which we can fan and it will spring forth in the everlasting life. Man and man, there is no good thing. We're all as an unclean thing in the sight of God. The Holy Spirit, it's difficult for some to accept the Holy Spirit as a person simply because of the names that are associated with it and then because of the religious views that are so propagated. I'll not take time tonight because I want to deal with it thoroughly. And that is the truth to accept him as a person or the truth that would cause you to accept him as a person. The first truth is found in the first book, in the first book, the first verse, the first chapter. In the beginning, God, Elohim, let us make man three or more in our own image. And the Spirit of God moved, the Bible said. Jesus prayed in uh, the book of John 17. Father, restore unto me the joy that I had with thee before the world was. So Jesus even admitted in John 17 that he was there before the world was created. And so when he said, let us make man, uh, Jesus was talking about the work that the Godhead did, the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. No, they are not, uh, the Holy Spirit's not number three. He's number one. Jesus is not number two. He's number one. God's not number two or three. He's number one. All are number one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you in the Bible how they're all referred to as God. They're all referred to as the Lord. They can all be sinned against. There are many ways that the Bible teaches to us the personality of the Holy Spirit. We'll do that next Wednesday night. And then we'll take the purpose of the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of the Spirit in being here? What's His main purpose? His main purpose is to motivate us for Christian living 
to motivate us for soul winning. The Holy Spirit will try to motivate you to be faithful in soul winning. That's why sometimes you get stirred up about it. And then those stirrings die down again. And unless the Spirit of God can motivate you, but that's what He's there to do, keep you motivated towards living for God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.